Okay, hello everybody. My name is Liam Sturgis, and this is uh, well, third time's the charm. Rounding the news, uh, I just hit some of those pesky uh, audio-visual road bumps that you sometimes hit when you're trying to do a live show over the internet. So please, uh, if my uh, viewers from the prior two attempts manage to make their way over here, please do let me know if the audio is now working. I will continue on the assumption that it is. However, so. Let's get started. Um, welcome to Rounding the News, your weekly news roundup presented by Rounding the Earth. I'm your host, Liam Sturgis, coming at you live from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Now, before we get started with the news, I want to take a quick moment to run you through some of the excellent articles and videos that we've posted here at Rounding the Earth over the last week. But before even I do that, I want to thank everyone who contributed a rumble rant, a super chat, or a, uh, a rock fin tip on our last video. If you want to help support Rounding the Earth, you can use any of these three wonderful options on rumble, YouTube, and Rockfin, respectively, by finding the live comment section, live chat, or the tip button and sending over a few dollars. Uh, I can't tell you how much we appreciated seeing those uh, tips last week. It's very exciting for us and also our appreciation for your continued enthusiasm for our work. Now, Duarte, I see your comment. It says, I can hear you. And I'm going to hope that that is not a typo, that you did not intend to say, I can't hear you. Uh, and I'm going to assume we are good to go. So, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. Rounding the earth. What have we been up to? First things first, the Chloroquine Wars. One of the seminal series on the Rounding the Earth substack has been Matthew Crawford's Chloroquine Wars, detailing the research and cover-up around the efficacy of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine in treating COVID-19 early in the crisis. Matthew has now started the exciting and challenging process of adapting the series into a book which already has a subtitle, Chloroquine Wars, the science fictiony misadventure. Paid subscribers to the Substack are now able to preview the very first lines of this book as they currently exist. I have read it, and let me tell you, it is not what you're expecting. Let me just put it that way. Another article posted this week is an exploration of an increasingly important question. What is contributing to the decline in the health of the average American citizen. Instead of telling you what he thinks, Matthew brings together several separate ideas related to vaccines, glyphosate, transgenderism, and agricultural chemicals. Check it out. And I do see Duarte has confirmed, no typo, I can see and hear you well. And I'll tell you, that is a relief. <laughs> so, Getting back to it here, fighting for the right to treat. On Tuesday, Matthew and I sat down with Dr. York Shung of the Canadian Society for Science and Ethics in Medicine and the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. 
And Dr. Sheng walked us through his suit filed against the British Columbia Ministry of Health, as well as a longer discussion about the state of healthcare in Canada and worldwide. Now, here's an important question. Are we in the matrix? Uh, so following... I, well, I was very pleased this morning, let me put it this way, to see an email from Jessica Rose in my inbox directing me to her latest Substack article, which I'll show in a second. So following our discussion last week about Matthias Desmond's new book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism, or uh, Jessica dives, in, dives deeper into the concept of mass formation, or more specifically, that there may in fact be two masses underway, one on the pro-narrative side, and the other on the dissident side. So check it out. And just as a reminder, the links as well as the overall show notes will be in the description as soon as the live stream ends. So you will have all the references there for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's true. Queen Elizabeth II, the head of the British monarchy, officially passed away yesterday at age 96. The announcement came after reporting earlier in the day that the royal family had gathered to be with Her Majesty as her health took a turn for the worse. Now, first and foremost, I express my deep condolences to the British people and to all in the Commonwealth nations that looked up to Elizabeth as their queen. More than just a queen of England, she was the official head of state for countries including Canada, Australia, Caribbean, New Zealand, and others. It's true that the British monarchy is symbolic of many of the crises that sovereign nations and their peoples face today. However, to the extent that royalty remains an earnest part of our society, I've decided personally to acknowledge the historical significance of the passing of our queen. So Godspeed, your majesty. And of course, there does remain lots of work to do, for better or worse, as it relates to the monarchy. Now, as a result of the Queen's death, the throne automatically gets transferred to her oldest son, Charles, known until today as Prince Charles. Now, this is news that may concern some, as Charles has been a leading advocate for the Great Reset Agenda and its associated policies, including to use the COVID-19 crisis to, quote, build in a greener and more sustainable and more inclusive way. Yeah, that's the whole quote. In any case, allow us to note the significance of the fact that there is once again a king on the throne. King Charles, King of Canada, King of Australia, but most primarily King of England. Interestingly, though, the news of the Queen's passing is being dismissed by some, uh, by some skeptics, I should say, as being a cover-up for her death at an earlier date. I have heard this theory before, and there have been a number of false starts on rumors of her death, in recent memory especially. Now, I want to explore for myself the reasoning behind the theory before I discuss it any further, okay? But I did want to share this tweet from Nazarene Veronica expressing her doubts. She says, my bet is that they will announce the queen to be dead either today or tomorrow. And this was dated yesterday, by the way. Real ones will know the truth. It has already happened. Be careful about what you believe in the next few days. And remember... The mainstream media is fully equipped to make you believe anything. 
Now, I agree with Nazarin in, in, in theory, and indeed I myself have uh, issued similar tweets that uh, I thought would be good to, you know, warn people about various things coming up. For example, there was a, uh, I don't know if you remember, the CIA was going to disclose certain documents related to UFOs in the United States. And at the time, uh, sort of the rumor mill led me to believe it was possible there was going to be some kind of UFO related false flag upcoming. And I had no evidence for this, but it seemed compelling. So I figured I would share that as a warning on Twitter. Um, nothing happened. Nothing happened related to the UFOs. It was sort of a dud of a report. But I just want to point this out because whether or not Nazareth is onto something here, um, I relate, I, I get a sense of familiarity from the tone of her tweet there, which is you know, earnestly trying to combat what may be in your perception, um, fake news, I guess. But at the same time, this is the kind of thing we got to be very skeptical over. And I have yet to see myself any evidence. Um, that's why I say I want to look into it more. But for those who don't know, Nazarin is one of the people featured in the controversial BBC documentary, Unvaccinated. She came out after its airing and accused the BBC of selectively editing what she and others on the program said. Uh, oh, 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 of what they said, sorry, in order to reduce the credibility of their explanations for declining a COVID-19 injection. So very interesting. But before we dive into our main story for the day, allow me to take a moment to thank our sponsor for today's episode. How not to be fooled, or how to not be fooled, rather, by IPAC-EDU, the Institute for Practical and Applied Knowledge Education Programs, or IPAC-EDU, is part of the shift away from traditional educational institutions, with high-quality instructors at the top of their fields, offering excellent and practical courses for those ready and excited to expand their knowledge on a variety of subjects. Now, today, I want to highlight a brand new course titled How to Not Be Fooled, taught by Dr. Mark McDonald. As James Lyons Weiler wrote in his recent Substack article, I can tell from this opening lecture, which is free and is going to be included in the show notes of this show as well, uh, that this course will change lives for the better. If you know someone who needs to learn how to resist fear-based control, perhaps even yourself, you'll want to have them listen to this opening IPAC-EDU 45-minute lecture by Dr. Mark McDonald in his course, How Not to Be Fooled. Listeners and readers of Rounding the Earth, receive 5% off cost of the course when you register using the coupon code EARTH, as you can see I've done right here. Visit IPAC-EDU and take back control of your education and your mind today. That is ipac-edu.org slash registration. Once again, that link will be in the show notes at the completion of this show. And usually I, I try to only feature one sponsor per show just to keep the advertising at a minimum. But I did want to give a quick note on the best wine ever because behind the scenes, I am working on something pretty cool alongside a new friend of mine named Gudrun Welder uh, at the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. Gudrun is an amazing person. And as a fan of this show, she contacted our sponsor, Blood of Tyrants Wine, to order several bottles of their fantastic Merlot. Now, two of them, to my, 
Well, I knew they were coming, but a pleasant surprise. Two of them showed up as a gift on my doorstep on Tuesday. And so this is me there with my uh, the other side of the setup where the camera faces away from uh, with the bottles. It's really good. I recommend it, folks. So, uh, I mean, I, I finished the first bottle and it's awesome. So raise your glass with me by going to bloodoftyrants.wine and using coupon code EARTH at checkout and save $5 off your order. Now, to our main story. Bivalent COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> um, so here's what I've, I've labeled this. Bivalent COVID-19 injections rushed into arms despite little to no human testing. In a move that will surprise nobody, yet terrify everybody who is sane. Health regulators around the world have given the two thumbs up to a new set of COVID-19 genetic vaccine products, even though there exists little to no data on safety or efficacy because human testing was essentially skipped altogether. And thus, we come to the crux of this episode and the reason it's titled Mousetrap. As Don Paul Hamus, please tell me I pronounced that correctly. As, as Don says, eight mouses, lol. Now look, we got to give some credit. I've heard it might be 10. Well, that's just dandy now, isn't it? Of course, you got to get the human trials done before it's safe to give to animals. I digress, but but I don't really digress because this is exactly the point. Uh, now, as I was writing this, it was very difficult to contain my anger. Uh, and as I talk about this, I will try to stick to the facts and maintain a cool head. Uh, I admit I don't have a citation for this in my in my particular coverage today, but it is my understanding that all eight or ten of those mouses did in fact get COVID after. So yes, Don, thank you for sharing that. If you happen to have a reference for that, feel free to drop it in the chat. I'm going to focus on a couple other areas of this today. Now, as a reminder, as I have up on the screen here, okay, we covered back on July 8th in this video titled, This Time We're Trusting the Science. In fact, this was our very first episode of Rounding the News. We covered the fact that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced they had decided to skip human trials for any future COVID-19 vaccine products under consideration. Frankly, I didn't think this was going to stick. I guess I remain more naive than I give myself credit for. Alas, we find ourselves in a new chapter of escalating absurdity that will result in my voice escalating in volume and pitch, presumably, but also result in people lining up for a gene therapy about which they haven't the slightest bit of understanding. So let's look at all of this. The FDA. Health Canada, emergency, or sorry, European Medicines Agency, they all authorize these bivalent shots from Pfizer and Moderna. Now, uh, I just popped over to Rumble and uh, Rockfin momentarily. Give me a moment. Anyway, so on August 31st, 2022, the FDA announced that they had granted an emergency use authorization to both Pfizer and to Moderna for their so-called bivalent COVID-19 vaccines for use specifically as booster doses. 
Now, this actually overrode the prior EUA that had been given to the, you know, the old, the normal, the the, the basic, the first generation COVID shots by Pfizer and Moderna that were that were then authorized for booster doses. This overrides that. So those can no longer be used as booster doses. Apparently, that's not what they're authorized for. Now, of course, I thought those were FDA approved. So why is this even an issue? And the answer is they were not FDA approved. That's a story for another day for those who don't know. Anyone recall what number shot they're on now? Well, this would be the fifth for many people if you were going in order uh, of what they told you. But I have it on good record that there's, in fact, people who have sought out additional doses beyond what was recommended. So I, th I would say they've totally lost track, in my opinion. So Health Canada followed suit the next day with the Moderna product only, not the Pfizer one. Uh, and that was the same day that the European Medicines Agency authorized a separate set of Pfizer and Moderna shots. Okay, so there's some complication in, in fact there. So we're going to go ahead and make sure we know what we're talking about. But in short order, after these approvals or authorizations, health authorities jumped on board to begin advertising their latest edition of their favorite pharmaceutical product, which is becoming more and more comparable to an iPhone. Coming out every three months with slight variations, but supposedly the next big thing. British Columbia's top health officials, Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix, issued a statement telling everyone over the age of five years old get it, is selling them on that idea that they will need this new shot in order to be considered up to date. Remember, there's no more full vaccination series. I quote, with the start of the respiratory season, uh, respiratory illness season, it is especially important to make sure that people are up to date on their vaccines. Our COVID-19 immunization strategy has been effective in protecting people from the virus, and we must stay diligent in continuing to do so. Now, as Don points out, We've all lost track, so I'm not exactly sure how they qualify, uh, you know, success in their program at this point, given that originally it was supposed to be two. And now we're on something. In the United States, U.S. President Joe Biden warned once again of an upcoming dark winter. I quote, winter is not that far away, President Joe Biden said Tuesday in a statement. The past two years, we've seen COVID-19 cases and deaths soar. It does not have to be that way this year. If you are 12 and older, go get your new COVID-19 shot this fall. Now, of course, it wasn't quite as explicit as the way he put uh, his, his remarks last year as it related to dark winter and the hospitalizations and deaths in the unvaccinated and their friends and family because they chose not to get the shot. I'm sure we all recall that. Now, Rochelle Walensky director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also chimed in, stating this updated, the, forgive me, the updated COVID-19 boosters are formulated to better protect against the most recently circulating COVID-19 variant. They can help restore protection that has waned since previous vaccination and were designed to provide broader, broader protection against new variants. This recommendation followed a comprehensive scientific evaluation and robust scientific discussion. If you are eligible, there is no bad time to get your COVID-19 booster, and I strongly encourage you to receive it. Nothing about this is okay. Needless to say, there is so much wrong with this. 
Let's go item by item, okay? So here's the first point of clarification. There are no less than four different versions of the bivalent shot that we're talking about. I know this is getting very confusing. Even USA Today, as you can see here, is admitting the, the fact that it's getting confusing and calling for some clarity because even the shots already out there, the original series, are causing confusion resulting in kids getting the wrong dosage at far too high a rate. They're being given literally just the wrong shot because there's too many to choose from and people don't know what they're doing. It's on us to make sure that we understand what we're talking about. So here is a breakdown of the different versions out there. When we refer to the bivalent shots, it is the collection of these four. So uh, I took a screenshot of my article here. Let's go through. Number one, the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine bivalent. This is available in the USA. It contains synthetic mRNA sequences for the supposed, the original Wuhan SARS-CoV-2 strain, as well as, quote, an mRNA component common between the BA4 and BA5 lineages of the Omicron variant of SARS-CoV-2. These have undergone no human testing. The second of the four is the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine bivalent. Also only available, it seems, in the United States. Same as the above. Same strains, same lack of human testing. I emphasize, zero human testing. Okay, now the third is the Moderna bivalent SpikeVax COVID-19 vaccine, which is available in Canada, Europe, and the United Kingdom. This one contains the Wuhan strain, but instead of the BA4 and BA5 strains, it contains the BA1 strain, which is out of circulation. BA1 does not constitute any meaningful amount of cases as of now, as far as I understand. And the last one, the fourth, is the Comirnaty bivalent. Uh, original slash Omicron is how they've labeled it, and that is available in only Europe and the United Kingdom. And it, like the Moderna one, contains the Wuhan strain and the BA1. So to, to just review this really quick, the first two available in the U.S. only, those are the BA4 and 5 versions with Wuhan. And the second two available in Canada, Europe, and the UK, except the Comirnaty one's not available in Canada. Those have BA1 and Wuhan. I know that's confusing. I probably didn't help that much, but I thought I'd do my best. There has been absolutely no satisfactory human trials conducted on the products that have just been authorized. This cannot be repeated often enough. With the exception of Moderna's BA1 shot, not a single human received these shots in a clinical trial setting, or any other setting for that matter, before their mass deployment on the human population. It's becoming a cliche at this point, a horrible, terrible cliche. Pfizer and Moderna's clinical trials of the original set of COVID-19 injections were horrifyingly low quality and demonstrated that they caused more harm than good. Here's a reminder, the Pfizer inoculations do more harm than good. The video that broke the internet briefly and got Robert Malone kicked off Twitter, put together by the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. It's worth revisiting. At least, though, those went through some form of a clinical trial. This concern 
was affirmed in a single no vote among the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, or ASIP. Dr. Pablo Sanchez of Ohio State University said at that meeting that he was, quote, struggling with making a recommendation for a bivalent vaccine that has not been studied in humans. For the bivalent shots authorized in the U.S., no human trials were performed. Now, look, there's a bit of a nuance here that we have to understand and be able to articulate, okay? For the versions distributed in Canada, the UK, and Europe, however, a tiny human trial did occur, comprised of 377 jab recipients. Unfortunately, I'm not sure this fact is widely known. In fact, before I researched it, I thought there was no such trial on any of them, okay? Uh, it is important for us to be specific in our assertions, just as we want the mainstream media to be, okay? Regardless, it goes, it goes without saying that 377 patients does not come anywhere near close to qualifying as a meaningful sample size and cannot possibly detect any serious adverse events that they know will arise. Remember, one in 5,000, okay, is the official number, it seems, as of late, according to Dr. Kieran Moore, as it relates to myocarditis, perhaps in a specific age group. This study size of 1 in 377 would not catch myocarditis and couldn't even sufficiently assert something as being only in one of every 377 patients if only a single serious adverse event occurred. That's just not how data works. Now, here is what each regulatory agency has to say about this. The FDA says for each bivalent COVID-19 vaccine, let me see, sorry, let me see if I can pull up that FDA article again. Where did it go? Ugh, I hit it. Ah, okay, well, um, ah, they'll be in the show notes. But so the FDA, I quote, for each bivalent COVID-19 vaccine, the FDA based its decision on the totality of available evidence, including extensive safety and effectiveness data for each of the monovalent mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, safety and effectiveness, oh, sorry, safety and immunogenicity data obtained from a clinical study of a bivalent COVID-19 vaccine that contained mRNA from Omicron BA1 lineage that is similar to each of the vaccines being authorized and non-clinical data obtained using a bivalent COVID-19 vaccine that contained the mRNA of the original strain and mRNA in common with the BA4 and BA5 lineages of the Omicron variant. So again, saying they didn't do human studies in the BA4, BA5, but they referenced the tiny BA1 trial. So that's good, I guess. Health Canada said, after a thorough and independent scientific review of the evidence, Health Canada has determined that the bivalent Moderna spike vax booster is safe and effective. And I found the article for this, so I'll pull that up. Clinical trial results showed that a booster dose of the bivalent Moderna Spikevax vaccine triggers a strong immune response against both Omicron BA1 and the original SARS-CoV-2 strain. It was also found to generate a good immune response against the Omicron BA4 and BA5 subvariants and is expected to extend the durability of protection. Now, I don't know where that BA4 and BA5 
of data came from, I suppose it's probably those, those, those mice we heard about before, those eight or 10 lovely mice volunteers that all got COVID after. This adapted vaccine has a similar safety profile to the previously approved Moderna Spikevax booster with the same mild adverse reactions that resolved quickly. The Emergency Medicines Agency says, studies show that Comirnaty original slash Omicron BA1 and Spikevax bivalent original slash Omicron BA1 can trigger, sorry, can trigger, let me emphasize, strong immune responses against Omicron BA1 and the original SARS-CoV-2 strain in people previously vaccinated. In particular, they were more effective at triggering immune responses against the BA1 subvariant than the original vaccines. Now, here's a question. Did they compare uh, against people who had not had a previous shot? Did they enroll anybody for this limited study uh, who had never taken a shot, but was taking their first one as this Omicron-specific uh, booster slash original? This is all very confusing. But notice they don't mention the natural immunity aspect. Side effects observed with the adapted vaccines were comparable to those seen with the originals and were typically mild and short-lived. So basically, same as Health Canada. Now, lastly, the MHRA. They had two separate articles. The MHRA's decision... Where did those go? Here they are. The, MR, the MHRA's decision is based on data from a clinical trial which showed that a booster with the bivalent Moderna vaccine triggers a strong immune response against both Omicron BA1 and the original 2020 strain. In an exploratory analysis, exploratory analysis, perhaps, the bivalent vaccine was also found to generate a good immune response against the Omicron subvariants BA4 and BA5. Safety monitoring showed that the side effects observed were the same as those seen for the original Moderna booster dose and were typically mild and self-resolving and no serious safety concerns were identified. Now, once again, I just want to say this sentence is is not it's self-defeating. OK, it says at the same time that the side effects observed were this. Uh, oh, sorry, were typically mild and self-resolving, typically mild and self-resolving, meaning there were atypical serious events. But it said no serious safety concerns were identified. So that is doublespeak. That, that cannot, it cannot be true that those both exist. And in this context, this nitpicking is important because they are going over every word and making sure that they can avoid being sued as much as possible, in my opinion. And secondly, when they then later uh, authorize the Pfizer-BioNTech one, the MHRA's decision is based on data from a clinical trial which showed that a booster dose with the bivalent Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine triggers a strong immune response against both Omicron and the original strain. Safety monitoring showed that the side effects, blah, 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 the same thing they said before about self-resolving. So this is a mess. This is a mess. And look, personal choice remains the most important thing, especially at this point. What infuriate, infuriates me the most about this situation is that people are going to take a pharmaceutical product that they believe is safe, works, and has been robustly studied. This is all false and or misleading. Worse, though, is the notion that people have been and will continue to be forced to take any COVID-19 vaccination in order to keep their job, start a new job, or even remain able to travel across their own country or walk into a restaurant. 
These things were unheard of two years ago and were status quo one year ago. While almost every use of the various forms of vaccine passport is on hold right now in Canada and most of Europe, at least, the employment standards haven't softened much at all. And there are already hints being dropped that certain jurisdictions are getting ready to reimpose harsh and illegally coercive mandatory vaccination policies, perhaps among other public health measures. Heck, Canadian universities have even started already with notable pushback, though, luckily, as you can see, in fact, quite literally pushed back once these new bivalent shots were given authorization. Western said, OK, all right, we're going to we're going to delay this a bit, but it's not gone forever. In fact, it's required some students to get together and file a lawsuit against the University of Western Ontario in order to protect their bodily autonomy while also able to go to school and partake in their classes, which are apparently no longer being offered online, but that, that have already been paid for, non-refundable, leases signed. So a lawsuit has been brought. Now look, in the end, you could even argue that the act of making the products available is not itself a crime. Well, debatable. But let's say that's the case. Mandates aside, though, People appear to be making their own choices at this point. From the time, about 92% of people over 12 have received the primary two-dose vaccine series or its equivalent in BC. But only about 60.2% of eligible people over 12 have received a booster, meaning the third shot, I might say which can increase protection from Omicron-induced serious illness by as much as 40%. I do not agree. Um, but, it, but the stats that they're going with, let's, let's continue to, to share. Less than half of children, 5 to 11, have both doses. And just 8.4% of the province's children between 6 months and 4 years old have received a dose since they became available in August. I want to reiterate, less than half of children aged 5 to 11 have both doses. I wonder how many got one and then said, hold on a second, something's wrong here. Now, in the United States, people just aren't taking them anymore at all. After the initial rollout, as you can see, in early 2021, and then a slow, jagged rise, tracking closely with mandates, New daily doses of all kinds, first, second, third, fourth, booster, new booster, are at an all-time low, and they're only continuing to go down. This is important because, in the end, it truly matters most. And perhaps, perhaps the only thing that really matters is that people are empowered to make their own decisions. That has not been the case. I would argue, institutionally, there is still no empowerment for people to make their own choices. It's people like you who are watching this right now, even if you disagree, engaging in the discussion more and more publicly that the alternative set of information, let's say, is seeping its way into the general public. And there are people 
For example, Dr. Richard Shabas, who testified at a citizen's hearing, former chief of health at, uh, at the Ontario Ministry of Health. He asserted he's gotten three shots. He has no problem with that. He believes in vaccines in general. He also believes in these shots specifically. Now, I disagree with him on, on that, but he made his choice and he asserted that he is never going to be okay with anybody being forced to take any vaccine, let alone, but in particular, this one. So there's nuance here. There's always people who it's not this or that. Let's, let's remember that. So there are going to be people who hear all this and who say, okay, thank you for telling me. I've evaluated based on this information. I choose to still get one. And some of us have friends and family like that. I think we need to come to terms, perhaps, with the notion that, first of all, we could still be wrong on any side of the discussion. I don't think that is the case here, but it is important to never decide that you're infallible. Ideally, that will inspire others on the other side of this discussion to do the same. But in the end, so long as people are making their own choice, we're going to see liberty reign. And there are people such as Brooke Jackson, Robert Barnes, Warner Mendenhall, and their team who are taking what appear to be real crimes and bringing them into the court of law. You and I will continue working in the court of public opinion, in education, dissemination of information, not rumor, not innuendo, facts, and interesting dialogue. Now, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in this week. Subscribe to Rounding the Earth on Substack and find me at www.liamsturgis.com or on Twitter at the Liam Sturgis. And I'm just going to really quickly go through and see if I've missed any um, any chats on Rumble or Rockfin. Fantastic. I'm going to reply to some of these after. Thank you all very much. And I will see you back on Tuesday, although Matthew will be there on Monday with a wonderful guest who I understand is also named Liam. So we'll see you on Monday, everybody. Mm -hmm.